Hi everybody! Welcome back to I Didn't Sign Up For This. Sorry about last week, but believe me, you would not have wanted to listen to what my voice sounded like. It was like, I don't know, I was a combination of drowning and choking on my own bodily fluids and it was really gross. So anyway, so why don't I just tell you about it rather than be quiet, Christy. Um, so here we are for episode 11 and I am so excited to be back and to give you another episode. Um, let's do some housekeeping first. First thing is again, of course, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash IDSUFT podcast. Come on over there and join us. Get, get the news as it happens and, um, be a part of the community. You can join the group from there. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps and all your favorite um, places, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, um, all that kind of stuff. If you have your own podcast app, just do a quick search for I didn't sign up for this. And there we are with our teal clipboard logo. Love to have you following along. Subscribe. Um, hop on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review, baby. I deserve it, don't I? <laughs> also on the Facebook page, um, if you if you haven't been there, or if you haven't noticed, I'm trying to every with every episode create a post that I'm calling behind the microphone. And it, it might have pictures that go with the episode or links to things or places or, you know, to, just to give you some visual aids if you're interested. Um, some of it is just pictures of Henry. Some of it will be more, um, I don't know, linkable stuff. So there you go. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at IDSUFT Podcast. Hey, if you feel like it, buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com. You c there'll be a link in the show description, so you can just pop right on over and, you know, leave me a coffee, buy me a coffee, whatever. <laughs> Join us. Email Christy at idsuftpodcast.com. Send me a, send me an email, questions, comments, problems, um, argue with me. I don't know, whatever, whatever you feel like. I, it all boils down to this. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know that you're listening. I would love to know if you love it. I would love to know if you don't love it and why. Because, you know, we're all just doing our thing. We're all running our race and we're trying to do it better. So if there's, if you have suggestions or comments or constructive criticism, anything other than just you suck, um, you know, I want to hear it. I want to get to know you. So come on, send me an email, hook up on the Facebook page, all of that kind of stuff. Um, today, I'm going in a little different direction. I don't, I really couldn't think of anything exceptionally excellent to talk about in reference to special needs parenting. Now that's, you know, been the main focus of what I've been talking about over the past 10 episodes. But 
you know, I do have other things that I can talk about too. Um, I've been thinking a lot, seeing a lot in, in my Facebook feed and from people I actually know in real life about depression, um, especially over the last couple months. You know, winter is a terrible time for people who struggle with mental illness problems. Um, depression being a huge problem. Um, it's something I have and have struggled with as long as I can remember. Um, I've been on medication for it since I was in college. Different um, cocktails, <laughs> if you will, to try to handle and manage um, my clinical depression. And also have um, found that as I got older, that there's a lot more anxiety um, built in to how I'm wired than I originally thought. I didn't think I was an, an exceptionally anxious person, but it turns out I totally am. And very often depression and anxiety go hand in hand. There's, there's a lot of people who have that combination and struggle really hard because if you're, if you're clinically depressed, you spend a lot of time fighting with those bad thoughts. Um, you know, for me, January has always been a really, really rough month. For some reason, by a large margin, a lot of the bad things that have happened in my life have happened in January. And um, it makes it, you know, part of it, I think, is the holidays are over. And, you know, there's a letdown from that. But then you're entering into the coldest and darkest time of the year. It's just, there's nothing to look forward to. It's freezing cold. There's snow everywhere. There's ice everywhere. It's dark all the time. And it's really, really difficult if you're a person who struggles with depression. It's very difficult to find positivity in the middle of that. I know it always has been for me. Um, but then added into that, the, the difficult issues that have happened for me in that month. You know, I, I know, I know that um, I have some sort of iteration of seasonal affective disorder, you know, where it gets worse in the winter. And it's just really, it's really bad for my depression. And I'm sure that it's the same for a lot of people. Uh, for example, in January of 1988, I had a drug overdose at college. I had gone home over winter break and I'd been put on lithium because the doctor I had seen thought I was bipolar. It turns out I wasn't. Um, but that doctor put me on lithium. And because I'm an idiot... When I returned to school, and because, you know, I really, no one told me not to, but it didn't occur to me. When I returned to school, I continued to drink and smoke pot and all of that while I was on the lithium. This is not a fun admission, but one night um, I was hanging out with friends and we dropped acid and it did not react well with the lithium. I don't know exactly what happened, but all I know is that I had gone back to my room because there was some reaction that really all I could hear was 
what I think was the, the blood flowing through my body. I couldn't hear people talking to me. I couldn't hear the music in the room. I couldn't hear conversation. All I could hear was like the roaring of the blood in my ears and maybe what I thought was like the electricity in the, I don't know, it's weird. You know, people would talk to me and I could see their mouths moving, but I couldn't hear anything. So I went back to my room in my sorority house and I was just going to, I'm just going to sleep this off. But because I'm a good healthcare consumer, I took my lithium before I went to bed. As luck or God would have it, um, there were still two, the, my whole sorority was out at a, at a mixer or a party or something. I don't know. I took the lithium and went, and you know, I was playing some, some music and sitting on my bed and apparently I started seizing. And um, thankfully, there were still two of my sorority sisters who, in, who were still in the house and who happened to be on my floor and just happened to be walking past my room on their way out. They just happened to be nursing majors. And thankfully, they just happened to call 911 and get me to the hospital. You know, of course, after that, I had to drop out of school and go into rehab. And um, that was that was January 28th, 1988. And it was a really, I watched Brian Boitano and Brian Orser compete in the Winter Olympics from inside my rehab. <laughs> That was like the first that I can remember really the, the date that sticks with me that has been a problem date. Some years later, I had to be hospitalized again um, for depression and suicidal thoughts. And this was in 1991. And I was uh, basically committed against my will. I had told my doctor that I was with the way I was feeling and he decided that I needed to be hospitalized for my own safety. So that also happened in January of 1991. In January of 2007, my father-in-law passed away um, and we buried him in the middle of a terrifying nightmarish blizzard. I, two of my miscarriages, I've had three, two of them happened in, a, in January. One of them was before my daughter, and then the second one was also in 2007, so basically right after my father-in-law died. So winter, especially January, and a little bit February, but mostly January, is a really rough time for me. So many bad things have happened, so much sadness has um, kind of accumulated in that month that, you know, I try not to think about it too much. But I think that a lot of it, a lot of what happened was because of my depression and January. Since, you know, I, I have been with the same doctor now for a really long time over, let's see, 1991. So, you know, almost, you know, 18 years, something like that. Um, and we occasionally will modify my medication and keep me on, on a functional level. It's difficult 
depression is common. Depression is all over the place. There's so many people who fight with it. And, you know, I think even in the in the special needs parenting community, being a parent at all and and dealing with depression is difficult, I think, isn't a strong enough word. It's not just difficult. It's it can be dangerous when you're dealing with things like um, postpartum depression, especially postpartum psychosis. These these are real things that affect people. And, you know, if unless you have some sort of experience dealing with depression and 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 treating it, you may not know what's happening. You just know you feel hopeless. You feel worthless. You feel useless. You know, for me, it comes in fits and starts. And I'm fine for a while. And then all of a sudden, I'm just overcome with this feeling of worthlessness and uselessness. And I find myself wondering, what, why bother? What, why are you even trying? You know, I dwell, I mean, I have <laughs> my negative self-talk is, I mean, epic. It could be, it's like almost biblical in how perfect it is. And it's difficult to control that because with the depression, those negative self thoughts, that negative self-talk becomes louder, becomes more difficult. And, you know, with some people can manage without medication, some people can't. And medication has worked beautifully for me. It does a pretty good job. You know, I'm, I'm able to now kind of see and identify when I'm, I'm sliding down that slope and, and try then to uncover feelings why I'm feeling that way. What this has led to, this, this ability, the medication and its ability to allow me to decipher and try to figure out where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way about myself? Yes, there's the clinical depression brain chemistry part, but then there's also the world and my environment and what what I've been through, where I come from, things like that. A lot of what I feel about myself comes from outside myself. You know, I, I know I've, I've talked um, many times on my blog about how the societal image of women is so skewed and so harmful. That's something that, you know, I grew up with. Uh, I grew up believing that a woman's worth falls almost completely into whether or not she is attractive. You know, every image we see, nearly every show we watch, every example we're given, it presents the idea that the worth of a woman lies primarily in whether men find her attractive. Is she hot? Is she cute? Is she beautiful? If not, those women are given zero worth, zero worth. Now it is getting better. But, you know, for the most part, you know, it doesn't matter if if that woman is intelligent or gifted or talented or creative or industrious, hardworking, brilliant or funny or anything. All that matters is if she's appealing to men and it's pervasive and it's disgusting. I, I can think of, of just, you know, an example that just pops right into my head. 
uh, podcasts that I used to listen to. I don't, I don't really listen anymore because it's a paid podcast and I can't pay for it. <laughs> it's basically three guys. And one of the guys was talking about TV shows that he was watching. And this was a couple years ago. And um, he was watching this one show, but he switched over to the Oh, it was a show called Hostages. And he switched over to the competing show, The Blacklist, because Tony Collette is not hot. She looks like a man. And that's a quote. It didn't matter at all whether or not she was skilled at playing the character she was hired to play. All that mattered to this guy was that she wasn't attractive enough to hold his attention. In fact, he was revolted, revolted by the idea of her making out with Dylan McDermott because she was not in his league. Instead, he chose to watch The Blacklist because the female lead is, and I quote, super cute. Now, that's not okay. And that's the kind of thing that I grew up being exposed to. Yes, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And that was a very different time than it is now. I think there's more value now given to women's unphysical qualities, <laughs> unseen qualities, the who who we are, our intelligence, what we have to offer, wh- who we are, what our hearts are, that kind of thing. There is more power in that now. But we still do have so much of that. Why is this person famous? Well, she's famous because she's hot. Because she can't sing, she can't act, she can't barely talk without, you know, swallowing her own tongue. But damn if she isn't hot. And that's discouraging. That message, when a, per- a message is that pervasive and what we hear and what we see and what we're told is acceptable when that is what it is, is that, you know, is your ass the right size? Do you have big enough boobs? Are you skinny? Are your legs long? Do you have a thigh gap? You know, what is your hair long? All these things are what matters when that's what we're told and we aren't that. That is destructive that's that can foster negative self-talk because literally who looks like that like five people look like that and they only look like that after they've been worked on for two hours by a makeup artist and they have perfect lighting you know nobody looks like that nobody looks like that but that's what we're told we have to look like another example i can think of um was during like press tours and uh panels and stuff for for movies that women are featured in, especially like superhero movies, like the Avengers, for example. Over and over again, the male stars were asked about their characters and their motivation and the relationships between characters and, you know, stuff that's appropriate, occupation appropriate. It it addressed their skill and their talent and their intelligence. And then Scarlett Johansson or another female actress will be asked something like how she fit into her costume. Nothing about how she prepared to play this part or what she thought about the relationship between herself and Hawkeye or anything about her work. 
just about her body, how hot she is and how well she fit into her form fitting suit. You know, go and watch the interviews when she's not actively calling out the interviewers, which thank God she did. You know, the disgust, you can see the disgust and the frustration on her face. You know, she, yes, she's hot and she wore a tight fitting outfit, but so does Captain America. And so does, well, Iron Man is made of metal. So does Thor. You know, why aren't they being asked those same questions? And because it happens to every actress out there. I think of Jennifer Lawrence, who just, she just says, I, I don't diet. That's stupid. Like Anne Hathaway in Les Miserables. They, they were asking her, how did you get so skinny to play Fantine? And you, I, I give her all the credit. She says, I was playing someone who was dying. I was trying to look like I was dying. I'm not going to talk about how I made my body look like I was dying. You know, it's just, it's repulsive and it's depressing. I mean, I'm sure the ca- it's also the case for a lot of men who have to see the, I don't know, the Idris Elba's, the Jason Momoa's, the Chris Hemsworth, you know, the six pack and the big forearms and the, you know, they're oiled up and they're perfect. And, you know, because who looks like that? We don't look like that. Why are we being sold that that is who we're supposed to be? Any of us, because we can't be that. And that fuels our depression about who we actually are. That is what society looks at. That is what society promotes as acceptable for both a woman and a man. And therefore, if you don't fit that, and nobody does, you feel like you're not, you're less worthy, you're less acceptable, you don't fit in, you, you're not of any use to the world, no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how much you might have to offer, because you're not hot. You know, it's, I don't know, it's, all I know is for me, that being not being raised in that, but growing up in in that climate, in that societal environment, really did a number on me. It really, really did. I knew I wasn't that. And yes, there was a period of time that I was that. There was a short period of time where I got as skinny as I could get. And I was what you could, you know, traditionally hot by American standards. I couldn't hold on to that because it wasn't healthy for me. But even then, it wasn't enough because I, you know, maybe, maybe my, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I couldn't turn off those tapes, that self-talk. I couldn't turn it off no matter how close I got to what I was told was ideal it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't right. I couldn't turn that off. And you add that to a basic clinical depression, or say, even if even if it's not clinical depression, maybe there was, there was um, verbal abuse. Maybe there was, I don't know, there could be any sort of verbal abuse, physical abuse, any sort of being told you weren't enough being told who you are is wrong, being told 
you're ugly or fat or you'll never amount to anything. You add that into then what you see on your commercials and your TV shows and your magazines. And how can anyone, anyone come out of that with a healthy mindset? You can't. You literally can't. So we are all, I think, in some way damaged by that. And, you know, you you add... mix this all into a lovely brew of society your your um childhood environment um other people and perhaps a mental illness or a brain chemistry problem and you've just got the foulest poison that's ever been created and that's what that's what i have dealt with and i'm sure that's what many people out there deal with you know with uh i think also i kind of mix this all together in my mind uh the the depression and and the the way women especially are viewed and this pervasive attitude that way too many now i i say women but i want you i want to make it very clear that i know men struggle with this too Many men do. I I don't know how many. I don't know if it's the same as it is for women. But I know that it's true that men also struggle with this. So understand, I'm saying women because that's my experience. I am not discounting the male perspective on this. I'm only talking about what I know and what I've seen and what I've experienced. So this pervasive attitude that you know, way too many women accept and just try to live up to. It's created a culture that is so dangerous to women, um, especially on the internet. It is so depressing, really depressing to be a woman on the internet. Because if you, even if you do feel good about yourself, if you do have a positive attitude and you know you have things to offer, you know, you still have to fight every day against an attitude that you're less than or you're just a woman. You know, we we find ourselves being afraid to do what we love or just live our lives because, (laughs) because of the fear that some man will see us as the object he's been trained to see us as and there could be an assault or a rape or somehow otherwise remind her, remind us that we are just women and we must be more conscious and more aware of our true place and where we belong, which is to be to the side of these men. I don't know. I don't know. I got off topic a little bit, but it does all fit together in terms of this is the depression that I'm talking about for me. Everyone's depression is uniquely theirs, for better or for worse. It is, like I said before, it is made up of not only whatever our brain chemistry is, or any sort of um, hereditary gene (laughs) for depression, which yay for that, but then also what we have experienced in our lives, what, what has been incoming to form us into what we are. This is just a part 
what I've been talking about here in terms of women and their how they're viewed and what their what their use is. Um, that has been part of it for me. That's been a, a large part of it in that it's difficult to find good in yourself when you don't fit into what you're told it, you're supposed to be. And that could fit for anything, whether, you know, what, do you look like that person? Do you, is your, are you attracted to the people you're supposed to be attracted to? Are, who you are doesn't fit into our little box of what you're supposed to be. And that component added into any sort of um, clinical or brain chemistry depression, you know, it, it's hard to fight. It's hard enough to fight just the clinical depression part of it, even with medication. It can be very difficult. But then when you add into it the um, societal and environmental things that you've had to deal with and that have influenced who you've become, it, it, it's very difficult. Is it insurmountable? Of course not. And part of what I think is so important about discussing depression and what makes up our individual depressions, what affects us, what affects our depression is the understanding that we aren't alone. There are so many other people out there who are fighting against the same things we're fighting against. But there's been such a, a stigma, such a, it's, it's so, we can't talk about that. Oh, oh, don't tell anyone that you're seeing a therapist. Oh, they might think you're crazy. Or, you know, uh, these, these just moronic ideas of mental health that we we are in this together we are all in this together our lives journey intersects with so many different people and we are affected by so many different things and so many different people and so often we are just we are just bullying through it alone and we're certain that we are the only ones that feel this, the only one that feels this way but that's simply not the case. If you struggle with depression, you have to know that there are thousands, millions of other people who struggle as well. People you know, who you see every day, who you have no idea, are also struggling with the same things. That said, I know it can be difficult to find community, to find people who understand, and especially with the <laughs> the fabulous healthcare situation we have in our country it can be really difficult to find the help you need to get the mental health treatment that you know will can help you function and get through what you need to get through but i cannot overstress the importance of it if there's any way that you can find help please do Please find a therapist or a counselor, someone to talk to. That alone is a huge help. Just having someone you can talk to about how you're feeling and who won't tell you you're stupid or you're crazy or you're selfish or you're whatever. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is the use, most useless thing I've ever heard. It's important 
to talk. It's important to be heard. Maybe you need medication, maybe you don't. Uh, Totally not a psychiatrist. But find someone who can tell you that. Find someone who can help you. It doesn't have to be a slog. And, you know, for those of us that are parents, I, I, I even, I double down on all of that because parenting is freaking hard. It is really, really difficult. And if you struggle with depression, it's even more so. It's, you know, if you struggle with depression, you know, I don't need to explain it to you. Goodness. So come if there's, if you have no other ideas or no other place to go, come over to our group, you know, just post, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I'm, I'm really depressed right now. Let it out and let's talk about it. There are groups that you can become a part of to talk about stuff like this. There are places you can, you can go to get this stuff off your chest. But the most important thing is that you understand that you're not alone and that you're, you're not alone in fighting it. You're not the first person to feel this way. And there is help. There are solutions. So we have to support each other and we have to be there for each other. And we have to, you know, there's just no other way to say it. We have to love one another. We have to give love where it's needed and then allow others to give us love. We have to receive the love. Now I'm sounding like a new age guru, but I'm not. (laughs) I just... I just know what it's like to fight with depression. I know how it can completely debilitate you, knock your legs out from under you, and you can't function. And I also know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So if you need that light, talk to someone. If you know someone who might need that light, talk to them. If you, if you don't know anywhere else to go, or if you think that it would be the best place to go. I don't want to put my the, the group out there as like a last ditch resort. If no one else will talk to you, come to our group. No, you know, it, it's, it's a good, safe, um, supportive place that you can come talk about what's going on with you and get the support that you need, get the love that you need. And that's what's important because, like I said, we are all in this slog together. None of us is alone and none of us is, it has it all figured out. So let's help one another. You know, let's, let's just help one another. I think that's the best way to put it. Let's just help one another. If you have any questions or ideas or thoughts about this topic, I urge you, I don't just, I don't just suggest, I urge you to come over to the group and, and share. Whatever you're thinking, share it so that we can work together to help one another get through this together. And now it is time for I didn't sign up for this. This is an update, update on what is it? Episode, I don't even know, episode two? No, actually episode one. Good Lord, my dryer debacle. Believe it or not, I still don't have that dryer working. 
It's been almost three months and <laughs> I am so beyond angry. It's not even. Mm. So in my attempt to get this resolved, they had, um, okay, I needed a new cabinet for the dryer and okay, we will send you the cabinet and then we'll set up a repair and we'll come out and we'll fix, get that set up for you. Great. It will either show up on your doorstep. I think this is, I think this is where I left it last time that it'll either show up on your doorstep or we'll call and say we can't find it. Okay. Neither one of those happened. So repair guy shows up for appointment number two and nope, there's no cabinet. There's nothing here. Nothing came. No one called. So he goes back out to his truck and spends some time on the phone, comes back and says, okay, it is shipping today. It's, you should have it by the end of the week. No problem. It will be, it will be here. Well, let's set up another appointment now. I will come back and we'll get this handled. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. Nothing shows up. Nothing shows up. And this another, this appointment is coming and there's nothing. So I'm, I'm now contacting them on their website and, um, through email to say, where's the cabinet? What's happening? Where is it? I need it. This repair can't happen. There's no cabinet and no response, no email response, no um, text response, nothing. And, you know, of course, I'm also trying to live my life. So I'm doing more than just checking in with this every day and I'll forget about it for a couple days and then I'll remember or, or my son will go, are we ever getting that dryer fixed as I'm making him take laundry up and down two flights of stairs? So finally, after being, after hearing nothing and nothing and nothing and getting no responses from anything, I finally called them, um, which I hate to do. See, that's the thing. I hate calling people. I hate it. If I can do it online, I will do it online, but I don't like being on the phone. It's weird. I know, but it's me. So I finally talked to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, see, here's the thing. They, they, they were trying to deliver and they called you several times around the 25th of February and eh, no response. So we've canceled everything. And I'm going, whoa, 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 <clears throat> back up. You called? Yeah, yeah, we, we called several times and they tried three times and no one, no no one called. No one called me. Well, here's the phone number we called. That's not my phone number. That's not a phone number I ever gave anyone. Um, I don't know where you got it, but that's not a phone number for me. And, oh, oh, well, that's, that's what we have. And well, I don't know where you got it. I, I literally don't know where you got it because it's not the number I gave LG when I called them to set up the service. It's not the number I wrote on anything that I sent you. It's not a number I've ever had. So <laughs> what are you doing? 
And what do you mean you canceled everything? Oh yes, they can't. We, it's all been it's all been canceled. So I'm afraid if this is still an issue, you're going to have to call LG again, and they'll have to call us to to reschedule it all and set it all up. And what? I have to what? No. See, here's the thing. I know what's wrong. We know what's wrong. You should have all this right written down somewhere in your records for me because that is what was decided and done and you need to give me my cabinet and fix my dryer. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that. That's not how it works. You're going to have to reset it all up. And so you'll do that and, you know, then we'll then we can get it all fixed. <sighs> okay. Okay, okay, okay. So I call LG back up and as exactly as I knew that was not the phone number that they had. That was not the phone number they passed on to this repair company that they work with. It was not any number in any of their records, so I don't know where it came from. So, all right, we will have them contact you. And, oh, wait, 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 but they need to know that they need the cabinet to fix this so it doesn't make any sense to come out for a repair until the cabinet is sent. So can we have that, that they need to know that the cabinet, oh yes, we'll take care, yes, we'll get that all, and they'll contact you about the repair and it'll all, okay, all right, repair will be in two days. I'm not going to have the cabinet in two days. What, why don't you call and talk to them? Why don't I call and talk to them? Why don't I call and talk to them? Yeah, you're right. Why don't I do that? Okay. So I, um, they had sent me a text saying, hey, this is when your repair is set up for. Make sure you're home between 8 and 12. <sighs> Glad I don't have a job I have to go to. But um, okay. So I reply to their text and say, don't send anyone out until you've, until I have the cabinet because nothing can be done and it will be a wasted service call. Okay. Don't do that. Finally, after that, I get an email response to an email that I sent the week prior and was never responded to saying, this all has to start over. The repair tech has to come back out and analyze the problem and determine what has to be done. And now I'm so angry that I'm seeing purple. So I type back, I'm trying not to like yell into the microphone here. So I'm trying to keep it calm and not express my true dismay. So I type back, why are we wasting another service call? We know what's wrong. We know what's needed. Why are you doing this? Just fix my dryer. It's been over two months. They don't care. They just don't care a fucking shit. They don't care. So the repair guy, a new repair guy, new repair guy comes out and is completely confused and doesn't understand what it, oh, I still got to take it all apart and look at it. He says, that's okay, whatever, you're here, take it apart, look at it, takes it apart. Oh yeah, you're going to need a new cabinet, it looks like. Really? Wow, you're so brave and smart. I'm so glad that I didn't try to 
tell you what was going on here, you... (sighs) Anyway, so after he was here for like an hour and trying to get people on the phone to order the part and find the part and here's the part and oh, I don't know and hey, I'm on hold and it, it was... Okay, so they're going to reorder the part and we're going to come back on March 28th. And I'm like, well, what if the part doesn't come again? Do I call you? Oh, no, don't don't call because it'll just it'll confuse people. And so now I'm sitting here on tenterhooks waiting until March 28th, which is more than 10 days away wondering if perhaps a miracle will occur and the cabinet will arrive and I will be able to have a functioning dryer three months after I initially began this process. Now let me tell you what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that I still have a dryer in my basement that even though it doesn't work well and all the ductwork needs to be cleaned out again, which I am fucking not doing. I am not doing that one more time. At least I can take the laundry down two flights of stairs and put it in a dryer of sorts and then bring it back up two flights of stairs. I am grateful and thankful that I do not have to go to a laundromat. So I send that out to the universe, my thankfulness and gratefulness. I am very angry at the fact that this brand new dryer that has worked for less time than it has been broken is still not working. And I swear to God, I will never buy another LG product because of the fact that they contract with this company that seems to have its head up its ass all the time and has screwed me over for three months, I will instead buy a lower rated product that can be serviced by our local appliance company who has always done a wonderful job, but who is not contracted to work on LG products. And I'll tell you this right now, if March leaves and I don't have that dryer working, I am going to rip off someone's head. And that is a promise. So, let me shake off the negativity (laughs) because I'm feeling really tense right now relating that story. Y'all, I hope this was even a moderately decent episode. (laughs) Um, it, It kind of... I kind of um, rambled a bit and it kind of took on its own life for a minute there. But um, I think depression is an important thing to talk about in every everyone's life, especially for parents and I think even more especially for special needs parents. I think depression in special needs parents community is probably a heck of a lot more prevalent than we know and it's something we can help support each other with. Um, So I hope you enjoyed it even a little bit. And again, uh, I'm just going to remind you of all the things. Head on over to facebook.com slash IDSUFT podcast. Join the group. I'm telling you, join the group. You'll be happy you did. 
Uh, there's, there's no prizes as of yet, but you know, who knows? Maybe in the future there'll be merch and I can, you know, throw y'all some stickers or I don't know, make, make a little, I don't know, something that you can, a badge you can put in your profile. I don't know. I'm just babbling. Pop on over to iTunes. Give me a review. Give me a rating. Five stars if you're feeling generous. And, you know, I love y'all. Thanks for tuning in for episode 11. And we will see you again next week. Bye-bye.